What's this? Another episode of Stories and Lies? Well, all right then. You already know this, but there's links in the show notes that open portals to all kinds of bizarre dimensions. Click them if you dare. You may even end up with bonus episodes, artwork, and short stories. A very special announcement. Cosmonaut on our Discord server is working on transcribing the show. Meanwhile, we're overhauling our own website. More on those two fun facts to come. Okay, enough of me. Let's get on to the show. Please enjoy Static Episode 7, Lafayette. They're mostly clean, but they're coming after me. I don't know who they are. But you gotta take this along. The implications. Now, now you see, Doctor, in this story that I've been telling you, things have been fairly normal so far. By the book, you see? I see. My agent's tracking down leads, interviewing witnesses, you know, doing a fairly normal investigation. An investigation into something over which they have no legal jurisdiction and no authority, using false police identification and driving around in an unmarked white van. I wouldn't have it any other way. Very well. Is there anything from the story so far that uh, particularly resonates with you? Something that stays with you? So far, um, no, n- nothing specific from my story. You know, but, but when I'm, I'm not here talking to you, I've, I've been thinking a lot about the things that I cannot remember. My missing time, my living conditions, my being a prisoner at this facility. Do you feel that we treat you like a prisoner, Jacob? Sometimes. Can you give me an example? Well, I cannot go outside. I'm always being watched. I get locked in my room at night. You want more examples? I can give you more examples. And now that you are aware of the nature of this facility, uh, now that you are aware that you voluntarily checked yourself in, and that you have significant memory loss and missing time, does any of that change your assessment of our treatment of you? It does not. So then, do you believe that you made a mistake in checking yourself in? Um, I cannot possibly make that kind of assessment without fucking knowing how, why I'm here. How can I trust myself when I, I can't even recall the reasons why I could have made that sort of choice? Do you think that this story that you're telling me might be in some way related to the reasons that you're here? I cannot possibly say that. Well, let's consider what you've shared with me so far. Uh, You've described your agents interviewing witnesses, some of which experienced uh, varying degrees of unexplained memory loss. You yourself volunteered this story. I didn't request it. I think it's reasonable to conclude that this story is deeply linked to your admission into our facility and may contain clues as to what is truly troubling you. Now, there's there's more going on here, Doctor. I mean, more than I've told you so far. Now, now the problems with the folks in this story, it wasn't just some brain trauma, forgetfulness, or um, any other uh, scientific, psychological, diagnosable thing that you all would love to write about in one of your journals. Oh, no, no. The situation I'm describing was caused by the unnatural. So, So just sit back in your chair Put away that pencil. Things in my story are about to get a lot more interesting. 
They tell me all your stories All the little worries you cry They tell me what the world needs What to say, who to please Where my loyalty should lie Saturday, November 20th. The, the three of you are back in the van. You've just finished leaving uh, the house of Samantha Beetle. You're heading over to the residence of Paul Roger and David Roger. And it's not the Rogers residence. That's the boys' names. They're staying with a host family. The Smithsons are their hosts. These are exchange students. So you have the, the residence address of a Joan and Jason Smithson. And it's, it's a, it's also in the Bywater neighborhood, so a better area, uh, but it's not as nice as the Beetle residence. As you pull up, it looks like a pretty typical middle-class uh, residence. There are vehicles parked outside. There are lights on as you just, as you drive by, and you do the same process where you park the vehicle a little further away. Who are the two that wish to speak to the Smithsons? You two. Let's go. All right. Dorothy's going to sit this one out, and then we have Fred and Willow. Don't forget to look tough, Dorothy. Oh, yeah. Uh, I will stand outside and look tough in my gothic dress. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. You watch. Yeah. So this neighborhood is also tree-lined. We've got the old oak trees hanging over the street. It's, it's a nicer neighborhood, a little more spacious. And as you approach the residence of the Smithsons, there's just a couple of windows that are open. You can hear the uh, television sounds coming from the living room. And you can actually peer through the living room window as you approach. It's sitting in front of the television it is an older fellow, maybe in his late 60s sitting in a very nice easy chair like a really nice lazy boy you know it's just the right distance from the tv with a little side table next to him with the remotes you know and snacks and the whole thing and he's just it's saturday evening he's watching his shows as you approach the front there's a light on outside the front entrance you know at the door and you can ring the doorbell or knock on the door your your call yeah i think fred doesn't say a word to willow he knows like we're we're just going in and he just rings the doorbell Okay. There's a nice ding-dong sound that echoes through the house. You hear just one moment. Uh, it's a female voice. All right, you hear some footsteps, Then and then the, uh, the door opens. Uh, no no locks being unlocked. The door just opens. And there's a, a nice older lady, uh, longer gray hair, loose, in her maybe mid-60s. All right, with a nice house dress on, um, a, pair of, a pair of glasses, a, a, a white lady who looks at the two of you and kind of just smiles politely up at you and says, uh, hello, uh, what what can I do for you? Good evening, uh, was he in a uh, state police? Um, are Paul and uh, David here? Oh, yeah, those are the English boys, yes. Oh, just um, 
Just one moment, officers. Just one moment. She goes, Paul, David. And she waits for a response. She's like, I, I, I'm probably just off in the room. I'm, uh, um, she steps away from the door and repeats herself, yelling, Paul, David, down the hall, waiting for a response. And she looks a little bit confused and looks at you and says, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the boys were, are here. I, I'm really surprised. They're, they're very good boys. I, is there something I can do for you officers? Well, uh, not really. Um, you said they're good boys. Uh, we've been just looking into like a, a bit of an incident that happened at school. Uh, there are no worries to be had there. Uh, as you said, good boys doesn't really concern them. Just we think they might have uh, a good viewpoint or maybe they saw a little bit of, a, of, of something of that incident. Uh, you know, would, would you happen to know anything about like a theater club they were part in and then like a play they put on? She nods a little bit. She says, yes, yes, those boys, they're, they're part of the drama club. Yep. That's right. That's good. That they're they're doing a play. Uh, they they go to rehearsals. Um, um, they do their schoolwork. They're they stay out of trouble. They're they're very nice boys. All right. And did 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 they show you uh, what they've been rehearsing? You know, she kind of shakes her head. Oh no no no. They um, they haven't. I no. They really haven't. They're, if they do the rehearsals, they um, either in their bedroom or I guess at at the at the at the theater. I must be at the theater. All right. Well, you are. Oh, I'm Joan. Joan Smithson. Uh, Miss M- Smithson, very nice to, to meet you. Um, that's it. Uh, if, if two boys uh, happen to come back maybe later this evening or tomorrow, uh, I have a beeper. So uh, uh, it kind of, again, shows like the little oh, I, number. Are you a doctor? I'm not a doctor. No, I'm a police officer. Oh, that's right. You did. Yeah, of course. I didn't know police officers had beepers. That's a lovely idea. Yes. Willow kind of bends down and goes, I'm the doctor. Oh, that's excellent. Okay, very good, very good. Very, um, I will, I will most certainly uh, give you a a beep if the when the boys come. I'm I'm sure they'll be back any time now. They're, I'm sure they're just out in the neighborhood. Excellent. Thank you. Have a wonderful evening. Oh, you too. Good to see you, officers. Take care. Hmm. I love this image. Seven feet tall, strapped with guns, bending down. I'm the doctor. <laughs> That's so good. <laughs> the only word she speaks in the whole conversation, yeah, too. Exactly. Right? <laughs> yep. Incredible. That's a six charisma right there. Just saying. As, as soon as, as the, the, the lady closes the door and we're like a couple of like meters away from it, uh, uh, Fred's face just drops. He just shakes his head and says, we're not going to find any of those kids. No, it sure doesn't look like it. You notice how they're all out, right? And it's like the parents like, oh, no, they're like, oh, they're out. Something, I'm, I'm telling you, Willow, something isn't adding up here. She looked confused, didn't she? I think they're all together. So, to get Fred, Fred and Willow, will you return to the van? Yeah, and I'll actually share this in the van. Like, like Fred just shakes his head and says, like, they're, they're all together, or... What's, what's, what's weird to me is the reactions of the parents. Yeah. It doesn't track. That's, that's not how parents react. That's just... It doesn't work. No, it's getting on evening time, and most parents wouldn't be quite that calm with finding out the kids that they thought were upstairs or in their rooms aren't there. Right? Yeah, exactly. And it's as if us asking them where they are, they're reminded. Like, oh yeah, yeah, I think they're here. It doesn't... You think they're forgetting? Doesn't work. They are. Yeah, that doesn't seem good at all. So where are they? That's the question. That is the question. And where do you want to head to next? Do we want to head to the... Another one just to have our, our confirmation, or... Yeah, we got Aiden Sawyer and Chris D. Do we want to just, like you said, montage those, presuming that we're going to have the same thing? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. So as a as you move forward, I'll just go over those quickly. Uh, we'll start with Chris D. Uh, she's a little closer. She's in the Gentilly Woods neighborhood, which is a neighborhood um, just off the side of, of Desire. A little bit better neighborhood than the Desire, but still not the greatest. And it turns out she's got a. She lives in a very small house. And as you approach the house, um, someone answers the door, uh, who basically tells you um, that her dad's not home, and he's he he, he introduces himself as Jimmy. But he tells you that Chris's dad's not home. He, he works nights. He's a security guard. So he's in shift right now. And this guy, Jimmy, is like a, a roommate who also rents a room here. And when you ask about uh, Chris, he says, you know, she comes and goes. Um, he doesn't know where she is. Uh, she kind of a kind of a night owl. And he, he's not his responsibility. You know, he's not her parent. You know, she seems like a nice kid, but he doesn't really know her. And he doesn't you know, talk to a teenage daughter of his his friend, he doesn't want to cause any trouble. And so he, he also basically tells this guy, Jimmy, that he doesn't know much about her, doesn't know about her school, doesn't know what she's doing. You know, he basically tries to avoid anything about her as far as, you know, wanting to answer any questions about her. Is Fred there? Would it, would it make sense that he, he's asking questions because he's got a good one? Go for it, yeah. When was the last time she was here? Uh, this guy kind of um, scratches the back of his neck, thinks about it a little bit. He looks a little uncomfortable as he thinks about this. Like, he doesn't really like the question. Spends maybe eight to ten seconds thinking about it, and he says, ah, "Last I saw, I think it was Tuesday, maybe Tuesday." Interesting. Yeah, he seems he he seems real uneasy about that question. Fred is just gonna fucking go for it. Question seems to make you uneasy. Why? Uh, I mean, um, listen, man, it's it's not my it's not my, uh, my not my kid. She's not my kid. I don't I don't keep track of of my roommate's kid. No, of course it's. I just ask you a question. Yeah, so I don't pay attention. I don't watch what she's doing or ever pay attention to her like that. Paying close attention to his body language. The answer is is, is not selling it. He's, he, he looks, he's uncomfortable with you. Pushing. Pushing at him, yeah. He's acting like he does pay attention and is trying to hide it. Yep. You know, she, um, part of like a little drama club or, or something? Do you know about that? He, he shrugs and basically says, I, yeah, listen, man, I don't, I don't know what she does. Uh... Yeah, I have no idea. Okay. All right. Thanks for your help. Uh, yeah, okay, sure. Mm. Yeah, he just waits for you guys to leave. Yeah, I think let's move on. Yep. All right. So as you leave that, um, and you basically head further north back into the Desire neighborhood again, and the sun is setting now in the west. Kind of, you can sit behind the larger buildings of the city, kind of sitting, settling behind the skyscrapers and, you know, the, the, the picturesque view of New Orleans as night begins to set on the city. A beautiful, cool Saturday evening. And as you return to the, the Desire neighborhood, uh, lights are on in all the houses. There's no street lights. So the sidewalks are dark. The streets are dark. And you pull up and it's kind of hard to see the house numbers. This condition, the houses aren't very clearly marked, but you figure it out. You find the, the Sawyer residence, and you can see that lights are on in the Sawyer residence as you drive past it. So, who wants to go uh, visit the Sawyers? Yeah, I figure let's just all go. Yeah, we're probably not going to be there long. So, as you as you walk down the the the, the, uh, the curb area, uh, past a couple of cars, and walk on the very short space that might be a yard. And up a couple steps to the front door. Instead of a front, well, the front door is open and there's a screen, like a, a metal security screen, basically. So the door is open, screen is there, it's a lock screen. The wind kind of breeze comes into the house to kind of cool it off. And you can hear TV sounds inside, some conversation. Uh, if you knock on the screen door, it's, it makes a loud noise. 
Uh, you eventually see a, a guy walk up to the screen door. He's a little hard to see through the security screen. Like his, his, uh, it's, he's a little bit, um, the mesh kind of makes it difficult to identify the fellow, but he's a large, um, African American guy, uh, maybe 260 pounds, uh, almost six feet tall, kind of glances at the trio of you. He says, What do you want? Is your kid here? Which one? Aiden. No, no, Aiden's with his, his friend. He's at his friend's house. He's not here today. Will say thanks and just turn around and leave. All right. He, he just watches Willow go. Do the, do the two of you leave or do you stay? Which friend? It's friend Franklin. Franklin, all right. Yes, yeah, it's his best friend. Best friend, all right. Okay. Are they just the two of them or other friends or you don't really know? As far as I know, just the two of them. I mean, ever since they were about yay high, they've been buddies. Oh, that's nice. Just down the block. Mm. Yeah, Franklin's all right. His mom's all right. Uh, they're they're good people. I don't. If he wants to hang out at their house, one less one less mouth to feed, man. It's, it's fine with me. Sure. You know, if there's any other places they like to go hang out besides Franklin's house. I I don't know. I mean, maybe his his wife his uh, his mother's got a, a business that she runs, and sometimes I think he works down there, it's a theater or something. A theater? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He kind of thinks for a moment. He's like, Katie is. Um, Got this old theater that they, they put a lot of movies on. Uh, one of those older, um, it's been around for a while. What do they call that place? Lafayette. The Lafayette. Yeah. Yeah. So, so she runs that place. I think Franklin's been working there over the summers. Uh, I've been, I've been trying to get Aiden to also, you know, get a job. Yep. Uh, he, he's, he rather plays at Nintendo, but you know, it is what it is, man. He's, they're all right. They're good people. So if he's staying the night over at Franklin's house, hey, it's fine with me. Which, uh, which theater? I think it's called the Lafayette. Yeah, okay. O- older place down, um, down in Bywater. Gotcha. Okay. That's all I needed for my end. Thank you. All right. I'm glad I can help her or whatever. All right. Sure, take care. So he, he turns and just walks back in. He leaves the door as is. He's been talking to you through the screen door the whole time. So he just walks back into the house. Yep. He was very forthcoming. Yes. That's interesting. And I'd be waiting, like, at the street, like, where their sidewalk is the street, and just mutter something about, man, I'm tired of being lied to, and start off towards the van. Yeah, we'll head back to the van. I don't think it was all lies. Not that time. You told us about a theater. They might be there. Yeah. That does sound like a good lead. If there's a place that's there, yeah. All right, so going, going back into your vehicle, you just have a map of the city. You don't have a, a yellow pages, but you guys can drive to a phone book. Our phone booth, excuse me. And it probably takes about three phone booths. Sure. Before you find one that actually has an intact mm. yellow pages that you can actually open and dig into. And as you look through uh, theaters in New Orleans, you find the Lafayette, the Lafayette Theater. It's um, a play and cinema house. It does both. <laughs> it gives you the, uh, it gives you the address, location, you know, and a phone number. Well, let's record that info. And then I think, why don't we go get some food and kind of just debrief, talk about thoughts, plans, and then figure out what to do next. Yep. All right, good. So we cut to that. For dinner, any thoughts on where you guys want to have for dinner? Bar. Just a simple, we'll do a bar with bar food. <laughs> All right, good. So, and in, in this is, uh, in the city of New Orleans, this is not that difficult to find. So it is one of those things, that even this, the smaller places have, have an associated a local 
neighborhood restaurant or cafe or whatever to bring bar food in. And a lot of these places, of course, you can eat outside and tables and patios and you know then they're a little lax about you know alcohol in public mm. and those rules and and things spill out of the doors and out into the patios and out to the streets and there's people out there in conversation and there's some live music happening and even if you're not in the heart of the french quarter there's still there's a nightlife and a kind of an energy that happens here as the sun goes down and the lights turn on uh, throughout the uh, the older parts of the city so you take a moment you have some nice drinks you order some 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 fatty buttery foods some spicy, you know, spicy dishes, maybe some gumbo or something, and take a breath. Oh, yeah. The little orders a etouffee. All right. So as you have uh, enjoy your food, you guys can work on your plans for the evening. So none of the kids are home. We've got a theater. We know, what do we know? Franklin was supposedly hanging out with friends. Aiden was supposedly hanging out with Franklin. Samantha's AWOL. The British kids are AWOL. And Chris, Chris's dad wasn't home, so we have no reliable information on where she is. But that guy, Jimmy, said he hasn't seen her since Tuesday, which was the day of the play. Mm-hmm. I didn't like that guy, Jimmy. I don't think it's relevant, but I didn't like him. Yeah, me neither. He seemed like a creep. Yeah, if there's a place where these kids are, it's the theater. Yeah, we're going there. We need to be careful, though. What do you mean? Isn't this kind of about uh, information? Mm-hmm. Well, kind of. What we know is that at least one of these kids, probably Franklin, from what we heard from Galvez, is responsible for bringing this here. They got it from somewhere. Samantha had a French to English translation dictionary and notes from a French class. And one of the phrases on the list is French and is the French equivalent of the name of this play or book or whatever it is. So I'm guessing they got it in French, and translated it themselves. Mm, that makes sense. Sounds like this theater could have been where it came from. Seems likely to me. Yeah, I think you're right. Almost uh, almost certainly. They have connections. They're drama club students. They're hanging out at a theater that does plays. Yeah, some they met somebody. Or they found it somewhere. But either way, here's the tricky thing. Which of these seven students... Let me rephrase that. How much are each of these seven students responsible for creating and disseminating this? Does Violet truly have nothing to do with it? Or are they all responsible? Are some of them more responsible than others? And how affected are they by what's going on? We need to find that out, which is why I really want to talk to them. Yeah. Barring that, you know, if we really just can't get a hold of any of them, uh, I don't know. I don't know what to do. Uh, if, if 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 they're not there, I say scorched earth. I understand this is the, yeah scorched earth. I understand this is a, a race against time. Correct. More or less, yeah. It's funny you say scorched earth. Can we just burn the theater down? That's uh, that is the definition of scorched earth. Also, maybe the school. What is and all their houses? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Look, according to what Morrison said, what are we supposed to do? Exterminate. I, I don't think burning down public places guaranteeing us to be in prison for life is a good idea. Oh, it's a figure of speech. Come on. We don't actually have to burn anything. <laughs> I'm just making sure. The complete opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> but I do think we throw our weight around, we go into all of these locations, Yeah. Chunkla be damned, and we get what we can find and take it away. But we need to find those kids because... 
they've got something in here, she says, pointing to her head, that's not going to be on paper. It's not something we can destroy. Mm. Willow flicks a 300 blackout in between her fingers. Says, are you sure? (laughs) Dorothy looks down at her food and kind of just... Fred, Fred shakes his head. Look, I'm a ruthless motherfucker. For the moment, shooting kids in the head, out of the question. These are children, Willow. I ask you what we're supposed to do with them, and your response was exterminate. And you're the one in charge. I know. I... I'm concerned with the fact that we would even get assigned to a mission where we could be talking about exterminating children as just following orders. Yeah. But that's what it would be. It would be following orders. And... I was brought into this apparently because doing heinous things for the greater good doesn't super bother me. So I guess you're just okay with killing kids? And Dorothy looks at her. No, I don't think I'll ever be okay with it. I think we need to be creative. But I wasn't okay with what that church had planned. That's significantly worse than the child I killed before. So, Fred doesn't know that, by the way. The what? Willow would look at Fred be like, the kid I killed before? Killed a kid. Did you think she got up and walked out of that room? Dorothy's face has gone from pale white to red. He just looks at you and I think he was like nursing a drink and just kind of like nodding and listening to what people were saying, kind of like commenting. He just kind of sets his drink down, kind of turns around. Are you are you telling me what I think you're telling me? Willow would kind of glance around oblivious to the what she has just walked into. Yeah, I think we're on the same page here. Willow. What the fuck? Did you want them all to die, Fred? No. One versus many. What about Lindsay? Did you kill her too? She kind of worked herself out. Right. You see, he's... he's. You can see the gears, like, in his head turning. As he's, he felt like he was missing some pieces, but now most of them are, well, not most of them, but a couple of them are back, and they're, they're there. And Willow's, like, not stone-faced, but this is just fact to her. Like, she doesn't even yep. necessarily realize that there's anything wrong here. It's just what happened. Yeah, she's just telling you the facts as she understands it. Yep. I think Fred just kind of nods. I'll ignore all of this for the unfolding of what we need to do here. For now. Willow definitely feels like she catches the tail end of, oh shit, still doesn't stop her. Yeah. So she's already back to the theater and the problem at hand. Yep. So when are we going to the theater? Now? She kind of looks around, everybody's not eating. I think, yeah, I think, I think right after dinner here. I I need to finish the Sazerac slowly and then yes. Dinner wraps a little uneasily. Yeah. With a lot of awkward pauses. Fred doesn't finish his food nor his drink. Do I notice any of this, or do I just, like, finish eating and get up and leave like nothing fucking happened? I mean, uh, what Willow's human is what? Base, with a six charisma. Like ten? Yes. Yeah, with a six charisma as well on top of that. So her, her understanding of reading of other people's, but they're communicating uh, non-verbally, is difficult for Willow, and she often ignores that. So she probably doesn't pick up on the, you know, the, the, the social signals that are being communicated here. Fred just asks you questions is all. Just the absolute truth is Willow understands it is what you get, just like always, right? Like, Yep. Here's the thing, though. You guys are both in your buddy-buddy club, which means at, at least a little bit, Fred's going to have to kind of have her back on that. Yep. 
She's already in it. Oh, damn. Because you're finding out after the fact, I kind of... Mm-hmm. So that's actually fucked up, right? Like, it's not... I can't just make you disappear. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I t- did not intend for that whole thing to happen. <laughs> nope. But uh, awesome. That I'm was glad, good. I'm glad it did. That was good. When Tom pointed it out, I was like, well, I mean, that's exactly what Willa would have done. She would have stumbled over it at some point. Yep. Right? Like, it's very organic to how it should have been. All right. So, how about we, we'll, we'll fade out. We fade out this scene and fade up. Uh, you've, you've locked the van, parked the van a, a lot across the street and across the corner. And so what we're looking at here across the street from us is the Lafayette Theater. It is on the corner of, of a downtown corner that has seen better days. You know, the department store caddy corner is, is closed. Um, there still is a post office that is open during regular hours. There's, you know, there's also a, a small nightclub that still has business on the, um, kind of the other corner across from the Lafayette. But the Lafayette, it looks to be, the construction is maybe almost a hundred years old. It's got that turn of the century look to it, the style. And it's been restored, obviously, otherwise it'd be collapsing. And what you're looking at is, is a very boxy structure. Um, that has a second story to it with balconies wrapping around the corners, Um, even though the balconies look more decorative than functional. And then above the balconies, above the second area, is is an old marquee that basically where they can can hang letters on it and it's illuminated with lights. And what is advertising on the marquee? It's got the Lafayette, the top, and it's got showtimes for movies are listed on it. And so tonight is a Hitchcock double feature. So what you're looking at is is The Birds and Psycho is what's playing tonight. All right, and it's got the times for both those movies, but it's a double feature. It's already started. So probably like 6 o'clock it would have started, basically. So, um, and there is a, um, a double doorway below that is open. It opens and leads into the theater itself. All right, and outside the double door, there's a bunch of these glass cases, which have these bills, playbills, yeah, advertising other movies, other shows, other performances, kind of wrapping around the front entrance. There's a few people outside smoking cigarettes, talking conversations, cars drive by, cars are parked around the curb in different places, and there's activity on the streets. You are in a, in a somewhat busy downtown evening area of the city of New Orleans. As it's, so there's traffic goes by you as you're looking at this theater. If you want to approach, let me know. Front door or something else. Yeah, let me just walk in. We, we should try to find Katie. So as you guys walk through the front doors, what you discover is you, it enters into like an exterior courtyard. So there's, a kind of, there's front doors which go straight into a courtyard, which is open air. And so, and out here, there's, uh, it's all tiles or, you know, stone tiles with a couple of benches and tables and there's people smoking here. And there's windows for the, the box office. And there's two doors opposite either side of the box office, like right and left that enter the theater proper. So above you, you see the, the, the cloudy sky illuminated by the lights of the city. Some people hanging out, talking, conversation. Lights are on at the box office. So somebody's working there. Let's belly on up. Yep. All right. So tickets for this double feature, it's basically going to be 250 to see both films. Are we like talking the second movie's already started? Yeah. At this point, let's say it's around uh, 8.30 in the evening. So we're just about, we, we, we'd be done with the birds by now. So Psycho has probably just started. Should we get tickets? Sure. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's get three tickets. We know what the kids look like, right? We had their, their pictures. Yeah, we got pictures. Yep. I'll just slide a 10 under the glass. Yeah, so they give you change, you get three tickets come out, you know, they're, they're basic pull-apart tickets, and that's it. The person does very, nothing else to say to you. <laughs> you can go inside. 
When we go inside, on a scale of one to ten, how strong is the popcorn smell? <laughs> um, probably about a, a four and a half. Okay. You can smell it, but it's not overwhelming. And the, the floors are like a deep violet color, like kind of a rich color. And the, the, there's like almost violet curtains here and there. And the ceiling is a little bit high, kind of beveled and decorated. And so it's it's a nice older looking interior lobby. And then you can see there's, there's doors to the auditorium. There's also doors to the restrooms and coat room, things like that. So um, out here, you can hear the sound of the movie. Even though the doors are closed, you can hear the sound going on of the movie inside. There's there's one guy out here, and it looks like a like a, looks a janitor. It's an older fellow, maybe probably in his sixties, all kind of graying head. Um, he's got like a, a broom and a little dustpan on a stick, where he sweeps up the popcorn, puts it in the bin, is cleaning up things here out in the lobby. So he doesn't pay you much mind. Yeah, well, let's uh, head on into the auditorium. Yeah. So as you open up the doors, um, you can you see the film. And basically, the, the curtain the curtain is down. The main stage is down, and there's a there's a, a screen that's been dropped in front of this deep red velvet kind of curtain. And the, so on the screen, the projector is projecting the film, and it's it's a pretty standard looking auditorium. You know, you've got rows and rows of seats. You have two aisles on either side, um, and they're like wooden seats with a little bit of foam backing to it, but not that much. They kind of slowly rise from the lower level, um, and then you see people spaced out, scattered about in here. It's not that busy. It's really not that populated. There's maybe 10% capacity, and they're all facing the, the screen, and you see the film playing on the screen in front of you. You hear the film playing. You know, it's you're in a movie theater. Do we see the kids? So as you look, it's hard to say because you're looking at the back of people's heads. Oh, we're coming in from behind? Yeah, coming from behind, yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Are there stairs like going up towards, I don't know what all is upstairs, but I assume at least a projection room. Are those stairs in here? Or are they, we going to have to go back out in the lobby to get to those? They're out in the lobby. You'll have to go to get the projection room. Yeah, they're going to be in like a back door or like a back rooms kind of area. Mm-hmm. I think Dorothy would start walking to the front of the theater, like to the front of the of the seats. And like find a seat in like the front row, basically, and sort of turn around and take a look at everybody's faces. All right, Dorothy. So as you sit there and kind of lean sideways in your seat and look around, the the bright, brilliant light of the projector flashes, and you see that the shimmering, almost strobing effect of the projector is shining on the screen directly behind you, and it's difficult to make out what you're seeing here, but you see the faces of countless strangers. So, Dorothy, give me an alertness roll. 41 under 43. Ooh. Just barely. Okay. So you're, you're slowly scanning the crowd, trying to keep from being blinded. There's just that constant flicker in your face. Dorothy, give me a power roll. 34 under 70. Okay. I'm killing it with rolls lately. The effects of the strobing irritates you, but not so much that it does anything to you. You And you just start looking over faces. You're, you're just, you know, you're scanning people slowly, checking people out, doing your process. While you're doing that, I'll cut to the other two. What do uh, Fred and Willow want to do? Spread out to either side. I kind of motion Fred that way, and I go to the other. Yep. There's probably like a main aisle and then an aisle on either side or something like that. Yep. Yeah, so there's going to be two aisles total, one on the left, one on the right. So there's three sections of seating. He uh, he nods and he points towards the door uh, and basically whispers to you to not let's make sure no one kind of leaves without us seeing who it is. Alright, then I would just literally post up on the door, like on the door frame, right side of the door frame. Okay. And let Fred walk to the heads of the aisles and look. Yeah, he just kind of walks around and, and, and looks. Uh, he kind of acts 
as if he's like looking well he is looking for someone but like someone he kind of knows like oh, are they there no okay keep looking yeah so fred um give me the alertness roll as well fred yep holy shit one all right good good and then um so willow is willow looking as well or, or not she's mostly paying attention to anybody coming that way so she's not looking at faces she's not really scanning the crowd per se as making sure nobody's trying to get in or out she's on guard duty gotcha so um, as uh, Dorothy is checking the people in the crowd you know looking over faces uh, Fred you you just happen to there's a bright brilliant light from the projector room that you are able to kind of close your eyes briefly or just move your hand just slightly to block it out and you see a, a face of someone up in the projector room Above the crowd, there's it's a small window right next to the projector, slightly illuminated from the side. Uh, this like kind of white, pale face upstairs next to the projector, staring down, and you f- you feel a sense like he's staring at you, like whoever it is who's running the projector is looking right at you, is watching you from upstairs as the movie flickers and flashes and plays on the screen behind you. I think he he doesn't want to uh, reveal that he's been made, so he's he's gonna like keep going for maybe 15, 20 seconds. The whole charade of like, oh, I'm looking through the the aisles of like uh, where my my buddy is sitting for the movie, and then when he he's tired of it, he's gonna start heading out, uh, and he's gonna do just a quick head nod uh, to to Willow, and probably he probably like kind of crosses, goes around, and and, and sees uh, Dorothy as well, and he's just gonna do a nod of like outside. Okay, Dorothy would wait a minute or two, and then she'll come and join you outside. Yeah. yeah. So, Dorothy, of course, about the whole time you've been looking, you have not yet seen any of the teenagers, just yeah. just to be clear. Yep. You're still looking for them, but so far you haven't noticed any uh, anyone you recognize. I, I just don't want to look like I'm connected to Fred Yep. by, like, leaving at the same time. Yeah, so you do give it enough of a pause and walk up the aisle and exit the theater, meet Fred out in the, uh, in the interior lobby of this theater. What's up? Someone's in the projection room. Well, yeah, presumably the projector. I would that someone was was looking at me. Oh, what do they look like? Hard to say, like a, like a half face. What? Well, I don't know. Just because of the lighting of the room, oh. just kind of like. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, just kind of like a white face because of the of the light. Okay, pretty pale and kind of turned to look at me. Should we should we head up there? Kids might be in there. Yeah, I'm looking for an employees only door or something like that. Yeah, so there's basically two different options on either side of the building that are employee-only, staff-only doors, and neither one is really, other than things staff-only, they're not labeled as to what they are. Go to the right one and see what's there. All right, uh, give me a luck roll. <laughs> nope. Okay, so as you open that door up, um, you look and see basically there's a, an alcove for janitorial supplies, and then there's a, a, an old hallway leading down the side of the theater that heads towards the back of the theater, which is very dimly lit. Just a couple of, of small incandescent light bulbs hanging spaced out a little too far apart, leading down deep behind the theater. That's what you see. Did y'all both come with me when I went down to that door? Y'all still kind of in the middle area. I'll check the other door. Yep. Then I would gesture that way, but I'm going to stay where I am and watch this hallway. Okay. When Dorothy checks the other door... I'm sorry, door. Yeah, Dorothy. Mm-hmm. It, it opens up. There's a staircase that goes up and then turns to the left. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll give a nod, um, like to Fred or whoever's still around. Yep. Fred will come along. All right. So who's going first? Fred? Yep. Uh, you see he's definitely uneasy. Kind of like, 
I think at that point he didn't have the gun still in his holster, uh, but he just kind of like untucks his, his, his shirt just a bit for easy, easier access to his gun in just in case. And he's gonna go up, up along. Doesn't try to make too much noise, but isn't trying to be a ninja either. So the uh, the stairs are carpeted. So as you step on them, it's, it's quiet. Nice. And there is a there is a single red bulb at the point where the stair turns and the elbow, and that's the only illumination on these stairs. So it's very dimly lit. And it, like, so the floor, the carpet looks red, the walls are red, the ceiling is very dark except for where the bulb casts a faint glow over it. As you walk up quietly, turn the corner, and there's a, a door at the end of this stairwell. That's what you see. Okay. He's going to look behind, like half his face kind of lit by that weird red glow uh, at the door TC if she's uh, still following. Oh yeah, she's right behind you. Okay. He nods and then goes for the door. So the doorknob turns, it's it's unlocked, Um, it opens in, so you push it in, basically. Um, You're greeted by a a brilliant flickering light inside this room that pretty much dominates the room. It's like a projector, Mm. is what you see. Um, And so that's the first thing you see. This projector is set up, it's set at the window, it's shining out, and it flashes bright white light as the film is being played. You can see the room itself is fairly small. There's a big table right up against the window. Like, press up there. There's some chairs there. Um, you can smell this dusty old kind of film canister smell. And you see some of these large metal tins that they store movies in, kind of stacked up and around the movie projector. And you see there's no one here. You see Fred kind of, like, look around, like, look under the table. Yeah, the, the room is somewhat cramped. There's not a lot of space in here. There is The table's got enough room for two chairs. And the projector is right up next to the side of it. And other than that, there's the big movie tins, the big film canisters. Uh, one is rolling right now, showing the movie. And there's another another one sitting on the table next to the projector, kind of being ready to be used for the second half of the film. But there's no projectionist and no staff of any kind up here in this room. Are you sure you saw someone? Yeah. Hmm. Very sure. Well, is there anywhere they could have gone? Um, kind of scratches his head, looks around. Not really until, uh, unless they did just bolted out of here, in which case we would have heard them. Possibly. Okay, well, I guess let's go. Mm. I think Fred just kind of looks where where the, the person, the figure was, and just kind of like goes where it was, kind of looks, sees if there's anything on the ground, or if maybe is just looking for something. Yeah, so Fred looks around, glances a bit, uh, the, the metal casters, the film casters, you know, the, other than that, looking through the window, you know, the screen below the, the black and white movie, you basically, um, there's an interior shot looking through a shower curtain, and then the, the door opens up on the other side of the shower curtain, and the figure of, of a woman appears the other side of the shower curtain, opening the shower curtain, and then begins stabbing the person who's t- taking a shower on the scene. And you can hear some response from the audience below, you know, and the music picks up and whatnot. So the movie is playing. But other than that, um, no other indications in this room other than the film canisters that anyone is or was here. I think he'd, um, I mean, some, some film is being used at the moment. He's not going to fuck with that. Are there any other film canisters that look like they, they might have been like uh, next or, or used previously? Yeah, there's several other film canisters here. Um, some are unlabeled, most are. So, and they're kind of got this, um, what do they call that tape? The punch tape. Mm-hmm. Where you type, you punch in a number and you, and you label things with the punch tape. And you can see the earlier canisters from the birds. And they probably would have two canisters for that film. You know, this one's here for Psycho. 
There's a few other Hitchcock films that have been stashed around. A couple of unlabeled tins as well that without a label, so you have no idea what they might be. Kind of looks at them like it examines all of the canisters and the doesn't seem to be much interesting things in there. So he's he's gonna kind of like he 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 goes to leave and then turns around again to look. Like this is you see a door too. Like he's he's thrown off his game. He's kind of baffled. Yeah. And and then just kind of leaves the room and closes the door. Okay. Yeah, she'll come with you. Heading back down the stairs into the lobby, you see Willow there watching this other service hallway essentially. And I can see all the like I can see all the way over to them. If anybody had come out of their door, I would have noticed. Yeah, you probably would, you would have seen it. Yeah, you you can see their door. You see them come out. I would gesture them over, ask what they found. Nothing. Dorothy shrugs. Nothing. Nothing. Nope. Nope. Hmm. How about you? Nothing. Nothing's happened. It's just been an empty hallway. I think let's go see if we can find the manager. Mm. It sounds like that might be this Katie person. Well, their office is probably down here. You can go have a look. Yeah, if you think about the manager, you probably want to go back to the box office. Yeah, is what you're probably that's thinking. That's what I'm thinking. Okay. Mm. Just at least, like, go ask, you know? Sure. So, uh, the box office window is to the, f- you know, out on the patio, but there is a door entrance interior, you know, here in the theater lobby. Uh, which do you want to approach? The interior door is more of a staff door. Oh, the, the front area. Yeah. So you basically exit the theater into the exterior patio area, walk to the box office. There's a couple, there's two windows there. You see there's you know, basically one staff person, the one who sold you your tickets, is sitting there. She looks up at you, maybe 20 years old, uh, this, this woman. So, and she's like, how can I help you? Uh, hey, um, I'm looking for, uh, I think it's Katie. Is she maybe the manager or the owner of the theater? She shakes her head. You mean, you mean Acadia? Oh, Acadia. Oh, okay. Miss Dubois. Oh, gotcha. He says, um, if you want to speak to her, um, uh, I, I, sh- I thought she was here. She's probably somewhere in the, uh, maybe she's in her office. Is that? Is there a problem? Uh, and, and I guess Taylor's asking, um, Tom, is that Franklin's mom? Maybe. Probably. I mean, Who knows? We would have her name from the, I mean, we, we also met her, right? But like, I guess, so I, I apologize. Did I mishear when this guy at Aiden's house was saying her name? I thought he said Katie. Did he say Acadia? He probably would have said, he would have said Acadia. Okay. I think, um, yeah, I think he did. Gotcha. Okay. And I was thinking that was ex-wife or, uh, Franklin's, Franklin's mom, but they're not together still, right? Was where I was at on that. Mm. And that the person that we spoke to earlier at Franklin's house was like Franklin's grandma, not Franklin's mom. No. No. No, it was, it was his mom. Well, let's, let's, let's find out. Okay. Yeah. Let's see if we can go find Acadia. So (laughs) yeah, we'll go where she points us. She gets up from her seat in the box office, walks basically 90 degrees to a door, interior door, and knocks on it, and op- the door opens and talks to somebody, and then uh, the woman comes out, and you immediately recognize the woman that you spoke to basically earlier today with, okay. at Franklin's residence. It's his, his mother, Acadia. She's dressed up much nicer now. Mm-hmm. You know, she's, she's at work. She's got a nice blouse with a collar on it. She has, it's a name tag she has. This is Acadia you know, Dubois. She has a professional-looking skirt. She sees the three of you and kind of has a moment of recognition when she sees you. Shakes her head a little bit, steps over to the glass and kind of you know, leans in and says, um, how can I help you, officers? Uh, hi. Yeah. Um, we're looking for uh, Aiden Sawyer. Um, his dad said that he might be here and that you might be able to help us. Just shakes her a little bit. She says, I, have, I haven't seen that boy um, probably a week. A week? Okay. He, he said... She nods a little bit. Uh, his, his dad said that he was hanging out with Franklin tonight and that they might be at the theater or, or at your house, but we didn't go to your house again because we felt like that would not be appropriate. She's well, um, 
the Sawyer boy, I, I, it's been a while since I've seen him. Okay. Um, I, I, he doesn't, he doesn't work. He doesn't hang out at the theater at all. Oh, okay. Um, by any chance, have you seen any of the other kids? Violet Sanchez, Chris D, Paul and David uh, Roger? Kind of, she, um, you see her, she, her eyes kind of roll in the back of her head when you mention Violet. You know, she has this kind of exasperated look on her face when you bring up Violet. Not a fan. And she, um, sighs. It says, I, I haven't seen that girl in a couple of weeks, thankfully. Okay. Um, what about Samantha Beetle? I don't know who that is. Okay. These are just other kids that are in the drama club with Franklin. He says, um, the dra- drama club? Yeah, uh, at George Washington Carver. Um, it's the, the theater club. They, they put on performances. It's, that's the, that's the school in our neighborhood. I'm familiar with the school, yes. Yep. When was the last time you saw Franklin? She focuses a bit, seems a little confused. She says, Franklin, I mean, who, who, who are we talking about? Tom, can I, I want to roll unnatural, but go for it. Okay. I'm going to do it. Yeah, go for it. Is this like arcana check? No. Kind of thought process? No. Very much. No, it's an 88. 88? Yeah. 88? 88. Oh, that's a fumble. That's a fumble. (laughs) Yeah. On a natural. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's bound to happen eventually. My luck had to run out sometime. Well, that was not ideal. Yeah. So, Dorothy, um, you get the sense that she's under some kind of a curse or a spell. Mm-hmm. She's being bewitched. That's what I thought. And we can't trust what the fuck Tom just said? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks, Taylor. Amazing. Okay. Um, so, I think Dorothy would nod kind of slowly and say, well, thank you for your time. Um, we will uh, be on our way. And she'll start to leave. I don't know if Fred and, and Willow have anything else they wanted to say, but Dorothy's going to start to leave. Well, so I'd kind of like watch Dorothy leave and be like, fuck. And then just look at the woman that now doesn't know who her kid is and just kind of shake my head and walk off. Like, but give her an intent. What the fuck look? Yeah. And she has a very exasperated look on her face. Like she's, she's tired of this. Hmm. These, um, these kids, my, uh, my friend here was uh, asking about. Did they, did they come here pretty often to just hang around? She says, uh, we get some kids, yes, some teenagers come and watch the movies. Uh, lots of people come, you know, it's just, I, but I don't know which kids you're talking about. Who, I don't know who you're talking about. Well, uh, uh, Violet, uh, Sanchez. Uh, oh, goodness. Um, I haven't seen that girl in weeks. Oof. I don't know if she comes here or not. Right, you, you've said that. She was interested in my boy. She was. She just isn't, but yeah, thankfully... Whatever happened, happened, and I haven't seen her, so it's for the best. She's trouble. How come? Just, um, just a very difficult, difficult girl. Uh, a lot of, she has issues, baggage, I don't know. Uh, not easy to talk to. Um, I had kind of a bad aura about her. Right. Your boy, Franklin? She, so, um, when you say it that way, it takes her a moment to think about it, the question. She says, well, my boy used to be interested in, the, in that girl, um, but they're not anymore. I see. Where's, uh, where's Franklin tonight? She's, who, who are you looking for? Your boy. Oh, my Oh my boy. My boy is probably with his friend, Aiden. Mm. I would have caught up to Dorothy and put my hand on her shoulder by this time, whether or not we could hear that. And I would tell Dorothy, go ask her if she's heard about the name of the play that we're not supposed to know. You can tell Dorothy looks nervous. Um, like when you show up, she already looks nervous. She's not shaking, but she's like, she has a look on her face, like distraught. And, and when you, when you ask her that, or when you tell her that, she says, something is wrong with that woman. And she says it like really quietly. Something is wrong with this whole situation. 
I know, but... But we need to know if she's ever heard of that play. Yeah, uh... And then we need to go check... Okay, alright. ...the rest of this theater. You see Fred kind of turn around and look... Like, look at you both, giving you a look of, like, I'm about to do something here. And then just turn around to the woman and, and, and say... Willow's hand is, like, on her... At her holster now. Dor- Dorothy starts walking up. Okay, Dorothy's walking up, but Fred, go ahead. I see two things. You tell me which one's which. One, you're hiding your son for some reason. Two, you're forgetting about your son, your boy, Franklin. We've asked about him multiple times. Sometimes you remember, sometimes you don't. Why? Uh, (laughs) I rolled an 88 just for for, for character purposes. All right. So um, she kind of, her eyes go into this kind of glazed look at the question. It takes her just a beat, and then another beat, and then a very uncomfortable pause, so finally she says, I'm sure my boy's fine. No, he's not. Where is he? Dorothy shows up at this point. Dorothy walks up. She looks at Fred. Willow's on high alert. Like She's looking at the front door. She's looking at the, the door goes behind the stage. She's watching all of these points, right? And she is like not happy about it at all. Fred waits for, for Dorothy to, to maybe add something. Is anybody else around? And there's still that one employee, that little 20-year-old yep. kind of ticket taker. Oh. She's still like it's like, it's like a little shadow, like a little mouse like watching there at the conversation. She's in the box office. What about the janitor? Is the janitor out in the lobby, um, too? The janitor, you see, he's he's off. Yeah, he is. He's off in the corner of the lobby. You kind of, Fuck. You kind of just missed him. Maybe he's been here the whole time, just quietly doing his little push broom thing. Yeah, he's still here. Dorothy. Dorothy looks at her and kind of puts her hand on like the the ledge of the box office, like the counter. Mm-hmm. And she says, "What do you know about the King in Yellow?" They tell me all your stories, all the little worries you cry. Fred's standing there. Yep. Yep. This is the first first time Fred has heard this. So um, y- you see a glazed look comes over her face again. Like um, her eyes just seem to um, maybe like the pupils even open a little bit, dilate just a little bit. And her face is kind of this pale expression uh, pause. And she leans forward at the ticket counter. And there's like, I mean, there's basically a glass and there's an open window at the bottom where you can slide the tickets back and forth. She kind of leans towards, there's like this little metal speaker that they talk back and forth and closer to that. And she, she looks at you, Dorothy. She says, have you seen it? They tell me what you'll 